Welcome to PageCast at Kingsmead Book Fair, proudly brought to you by Jonathan Ball Publishers. I'm Bumi, and I have the pleasure of chatting with Rafilwe Mwaklodi regarding her plethora of best-selling children's books. Welcome, Rafilwe, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Bumi. Thank you for having me. How has your experience been at the festival today? Yeah, it's been really great um, for me, and I've been coming here for a couple of years now, okay. but this is honestly the best that I've experienced. And I don't know if it has everything to do with the weather, but I know the weather, <laughs> the weather has quite a bit to do with it. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's a warm Kingsmead and, um, there's a lot of people and it's been great just connecting. Yeah. That's fantastic. Can you tell us about your journey as a children's book author and what initially sparked your passion for writing for young readers? Yeah. So, you know, it was very personal. Um, in the beginning, there was a specific theme in How Many Ways Can You Say Hello? That was my first book mm. that I wanted for my nieces. And that theme is, you know, celebrating, honoring the language that you come into school with. So they, they go to English medium schools, but I think the whole thing around How Many Ways Can You Say Hello is, you know, when they get to the school, then it's, Yes, the instructions in English, right? And then also English becomes a common language that they can all speak. Mm. The idea behind it was, what do you speak at home and how can we share that with each other? So it started out really personal with my own uh, nieces starting school and and wanting to preserve their home language. Yeah, and then when I got into it, because I had to read a lot of children's books, you mm. know, and the more I read the children's books, I was like, but this mm. is amazing. These are philosophers. <laughs> um, really, really started enjoying the stories. And I think then I fell in love with the genre in its totality. And then I kept writing. We didn't just stop at that first book. So I just kept writing because I loved what I was experiencing and reading them as well. Wow, fantastic. And do you think that your nieces and do you have nephews as yeah. well? Your nieces and nephews have yeah. like, you've seen the impact of your stories mm, on them. I have. Oh, that's fantastic. I have. And that's, it's actually quite a, it's quite a rewarding thing to reflect mm. on. You know, it doesn't just stop at them as well. I think it started with them and then there's so many extended nieces and nephews right now I like to call myself <laughs> like I'm the aunt for all the children now but it it is it is quite beautiful rewarding um, to see the impact of the stories not just on the kids but the parents as well because it's for all of us you know we all as adults we carry an inner child within us I see how the parents also connect to the stories and that's a family book Yes. You know, with family themes, a lot of themes are, are for the family. So it's it's great conversation tools for parents. I feel like, you know, when you said you are Rahadi Bangwana, am I saying it correctly? Rahadi Wabana, yeah. Wabana. Yeah. It just reminds me like, you know, I would let, in my head, I was literally thinking of Auntie Refilwe, everyone probably calls you that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> prompted by their parents. Um, but either way, you know, whether they call me just by my name it's okay it's like a, whichever the way they relate to me yes. either as just like one of them or as an aunt whichever way works best um really I'm okay with that Ooh. and why is children's literature important to you I mean recently mm. we saw the latest Pearls report that says that 81 percent of grade four learners are not able to read for comprehension 
Yeah, which is um, it's when you get into the the depths of what that means, it's actually it's heartbreaking. And also now, and, and this is a new experience, okay, that I'm sharing now for this podcast. I recently read a book. Um, well, it was an extract of a book in Isikosa. And what was different, Isikosa is my home language. Okay. I can speak it fluently. I can understand it fluently. What I didn't do was actually learn the language in school. Therefore, I didn't read literature growing up and whatever words that I know and can recognize was a lot of slang. So it's when I started getting my own books translated that I was engaging more with the language, but there's still a lot for me to learn. Yes. So I read an extract actually it's a book that she's just translated and it was interesting. I read it and I know the words like I'm reading and I, I can see the words, I understand the words. I have a general idea of, okay, there's a conversation happening between X, Y, right? But at the end of that extract, I felt like, okay, I just wanted more context. After the Isikosa extract, I read the English and same extract, but I didn't feel like I needed more context after reading it. After reading the English of the Isikosa I just read, I was like, oh, okay, so many other things are, are coming together. And that is reading for comprehension. And you see, so I moved, and this is like in the past couple of days. So I moved from even understanding what reading for comprehension means. Like, you know, like I've heard people talk about reading for meaning yes. and all of that. And, and, I, and there was a point that's, what does that mean exactly? What, when you say reading for meaning? But I think it's what I experienced where it, as individuals, you can read the words and then you recognize the words and then you're able to piss yes. but the context that I was able to understand it when I read it in English versus because that's a language that I've, I've read I've always read in English right I'm very familiar with the vocabulary the context I was able to get reading that same extract in English versus it's closer which language wise I mean if someone speaks to me I know exactly what's going on but yes. reading it is different right yeah but Language-wise, I don't have as much, I'm not as strong as I am in English because that's the language I've always read in. It was completely different. And now I understand what reading for comprehension means. Whereas when I read in this course, I felt like I needed more from the book to yes. get what was going on. In English, I knew so much that I could have already created the world in my head. So you see, that's quite wow. complex. No, absolutely. It's quite complex. And I'm 35 years old. So if you have a child who is struggling with the reading for comprehension, and, and I'm assuming obviously that that stat is probably with regards to English. I don't know if it's just English or all languages, but if you have a child who's having that issue, then that is obviously like a stumbling block as they're growing up, particularly if they if it's a certain language that they're struggling with. So, I mean, you asked me, I took a long route to get to answering you. It's very important, children's literature, and I think the more relatable it is, it makes it more important because then... The, it's easier for the child to build the context themselves. So whether it's relatable via language or relatable via content, yes. all of those things make a big difference. So the other thing about that story that I'm talking about was it's, it's like a fantasy story, right? So imagine I'm reading a fantasy scene in Isikosa, 
Do you see what I mean about context? So when I was reading it, yeah, I saw the part about, okay, she went underwater, like a child went yes. underwater. But there'll even be some terms that like maybe I'm not familiar with because now 100%. it's fantasy. Mm. That's content. That's reading for comprehension. So the more relatable when a child can recognize, oh, this is happening. I know this in my life and all of that. All of that makes the comprehension easier. So imagine a child reading a story from overseas that is talking about snow. Yes. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. The comprehension will be more it. difficult. Mm. So the more relatable, the easier it is for the kids to create context while they're reading. And it's not just understanding what this word means. Because as they read, we, we create the world in our, in our heads. Yes. So if they can do that, that's reading for comprehension. Sure. I feel like, Rafilo, you can like unpack this for hours. I do feel the same as well. And it's, and it's a recent understanding because I went through it myself with my own home language, mind you. But why? Because I didn't, um, I didn't read literature in my home language up until I was like quite a couple of years as an adult. Sure. So that is a whole nother conversation on its own. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. How do you approach the process of creating characters and storylines that resonate with children? You know, I think the most important thing is bringing out authenticity. And if I'm going to bring out authenticity, then I need to look at myself. Yes. I can't speak for someone else as well as that person would speak for themselves. But I can speak for myself and I can speak about my experience and I can speak about the experiences of the people around me, what I've seen, what I've heard of. What Do you get what I'm saying? So it's the closer I am to the story, the more I'm able to bring out that authenticity. So a lot of the story, like the stories I've written so far, honestly, aren't too far away from anything I've experienced yes. or, you know, or I'm working through. Like, like a story like You Are Loved, I was working through the expression of love myself, with myself, with my immediate family. And therefore, by the time I put it in a book, it is... Um, it's something that I've already put to the test, if I can put it that way. It's something that's, yeah, it's personal. Yes. It's personal. And when I go in front of kids and then I'm talking about self-love, it can't be theoretical. Mm. I have to share exactly what was the process that took me to wanting to write a book about also loving yourself. I, I obviously have to be honest enough to say that, hey, there was a time when I didn't pay attention to myself. I didn't care for myself. I, I would listen to all the voices in my head that aren't encouraging, right? And then so I give the scenario of how things were before. And then I changed things and I did things differently. And this is the impact for me personally. And in sharing that personal story, then, you know, a child can then be like, okay, well, in my life, this happened. And if... I can change this and I can, do you get what I'm saying? So yeah. to bring out the authenticity, I have to be vulnerable enough to share my own experiences. Sure. Wow. I feel like, you know, when you said earlier on that your book appeals to young readers as well as adults, mm -hmm. I mean, through your conversation right now and what you've been saying, it literally comes to life. Could you share some insights into your creative process? Just a few gems for us. Yeah, I mean... That was mostly it. I'm just, yeah, I'm out there spilling my guts, <laughs> spilling my emotions. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things, going back to characters. Okay. So I, I spoke about in bring out the authenticity. I look at my own life as yes. well. That's one side of it. The other side is these characters 
have their own story that they want to tell. Okay. Right. I'm just like, I'm just like a vessel. Yes. Like, you know, I come, I come through with my experience and I'm like, okay, cool. Now I'm listening. A lot of it is listening. And what does the character want to share? What does the character want to take things? What? So I have to almost remove myself. I mean, I can come with the idea of what I'd like to write about and then listen for the characters that will then tell the story. And then that's their story, you know? Um, so there's a lot of listening and then I, yeah, there's a bit, there's removing myself. That's, that's a big part of the process. Removing myself, removing my own. Sometimes like I have an idea of a book and, I, and I'm thinking that I know this must be the next book. And then that book takes four years. You know, when the book says, put me down, you're not ready, I have to put that book down and not force it. So, yeah, a lot of my process is, is allowing things to happen at the right time and not trying to force things. Sure. Wow. And I guess that like really translates into, I mean, what we read as readers and what children read. Mm -hmm. um, how do you ensure that your books appeal to young readers? Is it by removing yourself or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was the first part. There's a lot of, I mean, there's many parts in the publishing process, Absolutely. right? I'm part one. <laughs> and I mean, there's very experienced people behind the scenes yes. who also give their input. They've worked with children and children's books for so many years that they're able to know whether something will work or not. And sometimes things don't work. I have some books that have been like, nope. And that's okay. I think I've I've gotten to a place, I mean, earlier on in my career, like my heart would be a little bit like, what do you mean? It's not okay. I thought it was the most brilliant thing on earth. But all writers, I wouldn't I wouldn't submit it if I didn't think it was great. Why would do you get what I'm saying? Yes. So but 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 that's also the point. I am so in it. You know, that whole can't see the wood for the trees. That's a big thing with any artistry. I'm so in it that that's why you have these, uh, you know, like these other points, like your editors, your publishers, your yeah. all these people who look at it because sometimes I'm so in it that I can't actually see it for what it is. And sometimes it won't work. And that is that too is okay. Yes. You, and sometimes we change it, like completely change it. Because, I mean, I have a book coming up that now I had to – completely changed the perspective and then the second perspective worked wow. right so the theme stays yes it's just about how you execute that sometimes you execute in a way that doesn't work and sometimes you have to really really work hard until it does work and sometimes you try and you try and you try and then eventually it's like you know what i'm gonna put this one down yeah wow thank you so much for like such lengthy and wholesome like answers you know as an author, what message or values do you aim to convey through your books? And how do you use storytelling as a means of promoting positive values and inspiring young readers? Yeah, I wonder if I can pick one theme <laughs> because they kind of all have their different themes, right? But one big value I can share that maybe comes out in some way in all of them because it's a big value for me is about truth being true to self, authenticity. You'll hear I'll use these words a lot because all of it is about being true to self. That's a big value for me. You know, like my niece, when my niece was, one of the nieces I was talking about, when she was about four years old, so I have these conversations with my nieces, I asked, tell me the secrets of the universe, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah because... The younger they are, I feel like yeah. the more they know everything. <laughs> but I mean, I, I ask them like, like you would anyone, 
And I know they're going to give me some. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But that day, she was busy coloring in. And then she was quiet for a bit. And then she looked up and she was like, the rules of the universe are, number one, no telling lie. <laughs> number two, no being selfish. Number three, stop being grumpy. Number four, no telling lie. Number five, no telling lie. Number six, no telling lies. Now she's giggling. Number seven, no telling lies. Number eight, no telling lies. Number nine, no telling lies. <laughs> Number ten, no telling lies. And then she stops. And then she carried on coloring in. Wow. No telling lies. So, I mean, I've always been about truth, authenticity. Yes. But when she said that, it kind of just like, it, it grounded it, it made 100%. it, it consolidated it. And for me, the number one rule of the universe is? No telling no lies. No telling lies. <laughs> Tell the truth. Another way yeah. to say it. And that's what I do in the stories. I tell the truth. I tell my truth and hopefully inspire the readers or the listeners, however they're getting the story, to tell theirs. Sure. Thank you so much for taking time to interact with me and joining me. I really hope our listeners enjoyed this episode. All of Rufilwe's books are available in South African bookstores, so go out there and get a copy or two. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.